listen up, fellas. 2020 sucked. And it's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S, at checkout. Go to manscaped.com. Again, 20% off, free shipping, Use our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S. Go to manscaped.com. What is going on? You are listening to TAGS Podcast, a.k.a. Talk About Gay Sex. I'm your host, Steve V. And on this week's episode, episode 228, it is part two of our best of TAGS Podcast, the interviews. And... Following from last week, I was realizing I did so many interviews this year. At one point, I had two live shows going on. And in one of the live shows, I was doing back-to-back interviews and then pulling Cody, our co-host, on at the end. Wow, I don't know what I was thinking doing all these interviews, but we got some great people on the show. And I thought we could do a mashup, mix-up from last week to this week in this holiday season. So if you haven't heard these, you are in for a treat. They're some of my favorite interviews. If you have, they're worth a revisit. And uh, just to give you a little lay of the land, what's gonna come up? Up first, we've got Corey Harmon and, and actually Cody Maurice Doggett. And we're talking about race and sexuality. And we did this, this was extracted from episode 173 over the summertime during the race riots and everything that was going on here in uh, in our crazy time, and plus the pandemic. But I really wanted to get dig a little bit deeper with Corey, who's been on the friend of the show, Corey Harmon, as well as my co-host, Cody Maurice Doggett who is half black, half Puerto Rican. And we really, it was, I learned a lot on this episode, but more hearing their stories, I think is what it was so important. And I thought it would be a great listen for that. Then we come with you for a guy, Tim Zirnick, I interviewed for episode 178 about his web series, The First. I saw this web series on YouTube. You can watch it too, The First. And I was, it was really touched by it. It's about a multiracial couple that hooks up and we kind of ride through their relationship and ultimately how it ends. It left me crying at the end, actually. And a lot of topics came out of it that my co-host Cody and I discussed later. But listen to that interview. And lastly... The hot, sexy D'Angelo Jackson, porn star, extracted from episode 182, as he's talking about being in the documentary Porn Star Pandemic. Really good. So sexy. I love that interview. Anyways, let's get things started with my first interview. It is with Corey Harmon and Cody Marie Stoggett, my co-host. We're talking race and sexuality. 
Well, I'm really excited today to be with two people that I've hung out with. They both start with a K, my co-host, Cody Doggett. Cody Hi. Maurice Doggett, how you doing? Hey, thank you. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Really good. Corey Harmon, how you doing? Corey's been on the show before. Yeah, it's, uh, it's back in season one. <laughs> exactly. Season one, yes, exactly. OG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I really wanted you guys on. This is a special that I'm doing on race and sexuality. It's Pride Month, and I couldn't think of two people who I've hung out with several times to get into it with me. Um, first and foremost, though, before we get into some of the detailed stuff of how we view uh, sexuality, race and sexuality in our community today, um, I was wondering if maybe you guys could share a little bit if you've ever experienced racism growing as a kid, like growing up. Um, Cody, why don't we start with you? Oh, definitely. Um, so I moved around a bunch when I was a kid. I lived in Kansas, which is not the most progressive state in the world, but um, there you have it. Um, I was jogging. My most like prevalent in my mind memory is I was jogging. Um, I was in like late middle school and I, it was late at night and I got called a nigger, the N word, sorry. <laughs> while I was jogging and I just turned around and ran back home and it makes me, I associate that with things that have happened today and like, I could have been dead. You just never know what can happen. And it's so crazy because those early memories like that have, I think, I think have such a psychological impression on us so much so, you know, that it, you'd carry it with you all these years and I can totally only imagine what that felt like. Um, yeah, it was traumatic. Very, uh, yeah, it's very. Corey, how about you? What's one of your earliest memories? Um, it's funny you mentioned that. I went, my parents, um, I'm from Staten Island. I went to see them with uh, my husband on Friday. And I, I told the story of the first time I was called the, the N-word. And my mother had never heard this story. Um, I was six years old. It was in a church. They were doing, uh, I think, either Bible study or choir practice. And I was in this group called, uh, organization called Royal Rangers. And this white boy is sitting in the, ne the desk next to me or across from me. And I still remember his eyes were low. He had a bowl cut. And he's sitting so nonchalantly. And, nonchalantly, and he looks at me and he's like, nigger. I'm like, what? Wow. And I, I posted about it um, when the protest started that you never forget the first time someone calls you the n-word and i'm about to be 37 so 30 years later i still remember it. yeah it hits you like a ton of brick for sure it's i wasn't gonna go there right so quickly but cody um a while back when we first met we were i think it was after gay pride we were all in a conversation here in my apartment talking just about um, that topic of, uh, I think it was a, a group, like a music artist had pulled up, an African-American artist pulled up somebody from the audience. It happened to be a girl in this case. Kendrick and Lamar. It Kendrick was Kendrick. Lamar. Yeah. yeah. And we got into the discussion because he pulled this girl, a white girl up, and she started doing the lyrics, like singing back to Kendrick. And one of his lyrics is with the n-word and she actually mm -hmm. said the word and he 
called, he actually, but it's, so it's a lyric in, it's a word in his, that he actually says in his song, but a white girl that he brought up came on stage and sang it back to him. Like, and he was putting the microphone in her face type deal. And he actually called her out on it and, and centered, you know, down. And I think she was crying and stuff like that. And we, we all got into a conversation with a bunch of us, Cody, right? And yeah, and it brought up a lot of things. And I learned a lot in that conversation, I have to say, on how it's, I mean, I knew it wasn't right. I would, couldn't even imagine <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> but I think the, the conversation came because what it's a lyric within this artist's music. He pulled her up at what point. Um, I already know how you feel, Cody, about it because you stated, but just curious, Corey, what, do you think it was the right thing to do for Kendrick to say, uh-uh, get off? Um, well, um, first of all, I'm not a fan of the word in general. I don't use it in my vocabulary, but I'm not, I'm not the vocabulary police. So I have friends who use it who are black and they know not to refer to me with that word, but I don't care if they use it around me. Um, most people who are not black who listen to hip hop tend to know that if they're going to recite the lyrics, you say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> There are so many words that can replace that word. I'm just like, brother, I'm here to let people know if they want to, if they want a word to replace the N word, come, to, come talk to me. I got you. <laughs> yeah. I, in high school, um, when I didn't know anything, um, I would say it a lot. And then I was, uh, joined a, a club called African culture club. And, um, it got to the point where our teacher like really hit us with, you know, why we shouldn't be saying it. So then I started saying ninja instead of, <laughs> but then I, you know, yeah, I got like, if I say ninja, is that cultural appropriate appropriation of Japanese culture? <laughs> <laughs> now I just the avoid more you it. Know. Now you just avoid it. Yeah, probably a good, a good or go see Cody and he'll, he'll tell you what's up. Um, I got a long list. So yeah. I, <laughs> I want to move on to when the first times you guys ever went out, I was telling a story just as a Latino man when I first started going out and as a kid, I got called things like Beaner and Dark Darky because I as all these names. And I was telling the story on one of my shows recently that when I finally did go out as a young 20 year old in San Francisco, that photographers all of a sudden wanted to shoot me. And the same person, the same color skin, but now I felt like they wanted to put me on their club rags. And now I felt like I was, well, I can look at it now. In some ways, I felt like I was exoticized. I'm just mm -hmm. curious, the first times you guys as black gentlemen going out, did you ever feel, what was that first experience in the gay community when you went out, when you may have felt kind of, racism or or were you like welcomed in and no one really saw that cody do you want to go first um hmm when i was like fetishized kind of sort of or just like when you first started going out what's an example of the first time that maybe somebody or did did you ever notice anybody you know was there any racial bias mm, when you started okay. going out as gay Okay, um, well, I, my sexual awakening was in Virginia. And again, it's, a, it's the South. Um, so I grew up with a lot of like, 
not really segregation, but just like, you know, blacks over here, whites over here. Um, and there was some intermingling. Um, I, I got a lot of the preference people like, oh, this is just a preference. Oh, I don't date black people because of a preference. And my um, com combat for that now, I didn't know how to combat it back then, um, is like, where did that preference come from? It comes from systemic racism, basically. So um, you're talking about, say, even like, say, on the apps, when people say, oh, I know fans, no blacks, that type no of No blacks, thing. no Asians, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Corey? Um, going out, I never really experienced it too much because I went to a lot of places that were predominantly um, people of color, mostly Black and Latino places like uh, Crash and Escalita and uh, uh, so many other places that are now closed. Um, but like on the apps and on websites from back in the day like men for now and adam for adam oh all the time i would get oh what are you because i like even now people think i'm dominican but i would tell the like oh we're from latin america are you from and i'm like i'm black and immediately the minute i say i'm black they're no longer interested <laughs> yeah or um one one instance i hooked up with this dude that i met at the gym and the first time was great. We did it again. But the second time, he's like, oh, I just love your beautiful brown skin. And I, it made me feel icky. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Like you're and in an in, Indian RE song or something. Yeah. Or the subject. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I, and I was young. I was like 20. And like now I get it. Now I'm like, wow, I'm just this figure like I'm just the BBC which is no longer acceptable y'all we don't accept that anymore BBC True. okay because no one's no one's Educate referring me. to no one is saying any other type of ethnic background in, in reference to someone's penis no one says BWC got it. big black cop. I see yes. for India like no one says that yeah. they only do it for black people yeah so we're not accepting BBC anymore you could say big dick you can say big penis, big cock, whatever. What take, about this? Take the skin color out. What about this? Because sometimes I get people, in fact, recently I had somebody say, oh, I love your smooth skin. Um, and I mean, that's just a fact, I guess. And part of me is not mad at it because I do have smooth skin, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess sometimes, or, but I do have had people tell me, you know, oh, you've got such great coloring. Is that at all what you're talking about when you were talking about your brown skin it it's it's how it was said it, okay. it just it made it, he said it in such a way that it was so objectifying that it made me feel gross like there's a difference between saying oh you have such great skin tone or your skin is so smooth what do you use versus oh i just love your beautiful brown skin like it sounds creepy yeah yeah no i know it sounds like tone is everything and we've all heard terms like you know, yeah, I've always been with guys throughout the years where you know that they only date Latin guys and you're just, is it, 
is there any difference in me or is it just the fact that I'm Latin that you're interested in me? And so yeah. that can definitely be a deciding factor too. Um, I want to move on to how creative the two of you really are in so many different ways. Um, Cody being a really phenomenal singer and Corey, you recently yeah. for Mr. Rock Leather. Bear, bear. <laughs> uh, I always get that wrong. What is it? Mr. Rock Bear 2019. Mr. Rock Bear 2019. Okay, well, I'm just curious. Let's start with you, Cody. Um, as a singer and pursuing your career in singing, have you experienced any racial bias in that area when you've either gone out for castings or just putting out your work? Um, I would say it's more of the gay part of it, the gay portion of it, like being a soul singer and like not wanting to come across as feminine. Um, it happened with Luther, it happened, I think the only person it didn't happen to was uh, Sylvester, we were talking about Sylvester the other day. Yeah, <laughs> who I was listening to this morning, yeah. Oh, okay, yes, make me feel mighty real. Um, so, yes. um, <laughs> so yeah, that, a lot of that, like having to come across as not gay, not being fully expressed myself and in my, as, uh, as a gay person, as a gay man, my sexuality completely, I've gotten a lot of that. So um, I can't really say that uh, I've experienced like racism in my pursuit of uh, becoming a music star, because, uh, a, a musician, <laughs> because the, the venues that I go to are normally predominantly black, like Corey was saying before. So. But it's interesting when you just say the fact that being gay, I, we all know that heaven forbid for so many years, you can't be black and gay. Yeah, it's like two strikes. Yeah, right. And so I <laughs> yeah. could see where that could come up, particularly in what, castings and such? Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, I, I've taken note of where um, actors and musicians have, have gotten almost blacklisted because they, they are, they are out now. So they don't get as many roles or as many offers as they would if they if they weren't out. So which is a shame, because right, like the, shame. the human experience and what they can bring to a role is not about that only. It's about what their humanity. So right, yeah. Um, Corey, it seems in the time I've known you and being Mr. Rock Bear 2019 you've gone sort of your own path. And w would you say that the leather community in a lot of ways has really just embraced ethnic diversity and, and, and so um, Well, uh, in light of everything that's currently going on, there have been a lot of call outs within the leather community. Really? Um, with, honestly, within every community. Like, yeah, right. I think with the pandemic hitting and then the murder of George Floyd and, and then the protests, everyone being stuck at home were like, mm, I'm going to show my true colors. And they're, and then they're shocked. Like, Oh my God, people are screenshotting this and they're calling me out. What do I do? And I'm just, it's upsetting, but I'd rather know about it than not know that, you know, someone at my table is secretly racist. I hear you, um, but we all know of different, you know, you and I have been in the leather community for several years now, and there's yeah. several, there's groups like the Onyx group, for example, which really represents, it's, it's ethnic 
diverse, a, right? African American yeah, mostly. It, it's a leather fraternity for um, black, black and Latino men of color. Um, they have several different uh, chapters across the entire country. Right. Um, I'm 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 not a member. I'm just a friend. <laughs> but uh, sometimes we have to make our own spaces and. In this situation with Onyx, their space has been allowed to continue without so much scrutiny from white people. <laughs> As there shouldn't be, but yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. you'd be surprised. We make a space and then all of a sudden it's, well, why can't we come? Co-opted, yeah. You didn't want us in your space, so we did our own, and now you want to come in ours. I'm just curious before sure. we move on, uh, Corey, did you at all, when you won that title, did you feel any responsibility or, or pride as a black man in the leather community or did, because it was New York, you didn't even think of that? You were just really proud? Um, not so much for the leather community, but more so for just the bar itself, for Rock Bar, because I was, I am still uh, the first Mr. Rock Bear, my, uh, my sash son, um, Jay. I love him to death. Uh, he is Puerto Rican, so we're still keeping like that tradition going, but I'm the only one who's been black. And I, uh, during my title year, my purpose was to make sure that everyone felt welcome, regardless of their skin color. But I, want, I, I wanted to see more black and brown bodies in the bar. And it, it happened. We, uh, my husband and I, Ted, we have a party there which hopefully will be coming back soon. And the last one was in February and there were so many people there and there were so many black and brown bodies in there and everybody was just vibing, having fun, dancing. They're in the dark room, they're getting drinks. And I said, this is, this is what it should be about. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Cody, we're gonna have to make sure we make it when, they, when bars open. I know, up. right? Yep, yeah, I can't wait. Our black and brown asses in there. Um, <laughs> Um, I want to end on just relationships, and I know Corey, you're. Are you married now or engaged? Met, uh, our one-year marriage anniversary will be in September. Ne Congratulations! That's awesome. Um, I'm just curious. Ted is white, or he's white passing Puerto Rican. White. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and prior to that, did you date uh, Latin? I... Did you, it didn't matter. I mean, my, my ex was also Puerto Rican, but I would I dated whoever I found attractive and or interesting. Yeah. Because while I was single, I went on a couple of dates with several different types of guys. I've Oof. been an equal opportunity as well. I've really had an, I love all. Yeah. I think though, for me personally, when for years and years and talk about what you guys both talked about, examples um, being called the N-word, um, even for me, there was a lot of things that I had to overcome that I'm still can recall just being called Beaner and Darkie and that did play a lot on me. And for years, for a long time, uh, oh, did we lose court? Oh, we didn't, I thought we lost it. Yeah. Just, it shut off for a second. For a long time, I think I wanted to, when I was a kid, be white almost and like scrub the brownness off. And I had to really, through college, I took Chicano studies and I hung out with um, almost only Latinos. I went the other extreme and I marched in Indigenous Peoples Day 
And I found myself drawn to Latinos um, as I'm older, but again, I'm open to all. Um, it's just interesting how a lot of those early examples can really affect your mental state. If you don't do the work, they can have a large impact. Cody, I'm just curious with you, um, the types of relationships you've been in um, that, you know, do you have a type that goes only for other black men or are you open? I mean, I know the answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I'm half Puerto Rican. So I grew up around like Puerto Ricans all, all day, every day. So that was my, I think when you grow up around a certain type of person and a certain look, that's what you are, uh, that's what you're attracted to first. And then as time goes by, you, well, for me, I can't speak for everybody. You open up your, you broaden your horizons. And that's where I feel like I am now. I'm, it's like, come one, come all, basically. <laughs> Emphasis so. on the first word. <laughs> come all. But come correct. Come correct. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I yeah. wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. So the, the last guy I dated um, that we talked about uh, on this, on the live show, he he was Asian, so I'm, yeah. and he's beautiful to me, so he still is. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny. You know, one of my first long-term boyfriends of all time, we're best friends to this day, um, is Chinese American, and for the longest time, I could always remember people would see me and they'd, I didn't know you were into Chinese guys or Asian, and I thought. Well, I'm into him. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. You know? I mean, you get, and I'm hoping some of that changes that you don't, just because you see somebody with somebody doesn't mean, I didn't know you're into short guys or into tall guys or into, you know. It seems yeah. absurd, absurd to me that you can say that you're not attracted to an entire race or type of person. It, it just, it doesn't connect with me. So I, yeah. I, I really don't understand it, so. Yeah. Cody, Maurice, Doggett, and Corey, is it Nieves Harmon? Nieves Harmon. Nieves Harmon. I want to cheers you both. Thank you for sharing. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys. Your buddy Steve V here. And if you're like me and you let yourself go a bit in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. I, like so many of us, found myself going through a roller coaster of a 2020 ride with many more bumps than highs and let myself go a bit, I have to say. But I do think it is always possible to reboot. And I happen to have a birthday coming up in just a couple weeks here. A big birthday and I really want to reboot but it's always a good time to reboot when a new year comes particularly this year and Manscaped is here to give us a fresh start in 2021 with their perfect package 3.0 that has all the right tools for the job come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the lawnmower 3.0 this waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. And their third-generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow up you need in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there this year, and their Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? 
And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Let's be honest, 2020 was awful, so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. And Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear you will ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off plus free shipping with our code TAGS, T-A-G-S, at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off, free shipping, our code TAGS, T-A-G-S. Go to manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Such a great conversation uh, and a good prelude to... 2021 of the types of conversations I want to continue to have about race and sexuality as they come together. And I just think there's way more to be had on our tags podcast as we move forward. Up next, extracted from episode 178 of tags podcast is my interview with the creator of web series, the first Here's my interview with Tim Zernick. For people that just joined us, I'm on the phone with the creator of the web series, The First. The audio is, should be fixed now. Um, what I wanted to know, because one of the things that, that I really was struck by that I thought was great is you cast two people that, uh, it's like a multiracial couple. And I feel like now more than ever with Black Lives Matter and everything going on, was that a conscious decision that you wanted to cast a you know, black character and a white character so that's so funny that you bring that up in that it like and this is maybe my privilege speaking in the sense that i wasn't i kind of from the get-go i just wanted two of the best actors and i didn't care um what race or ethnicity they were i just one of the um cons going into this was we had like zero budget and so to right. me the like special effect or the thing that would make the series good was I wanted great actors and the special effect would be their chemistry. And so to me, it was the most important to like just get two actors that I thought were stellar and had that. And then I found those two actors. And um, so it wasn't a necessarily a conscious decision, which I think um, we shot this a while ago. And now in light of everything, I think going forward it probably will always be a decision that i want to make sure that that is always the case but in this case it was actually just a um who was the most talented actors um you know i love that i I love that because you went with who was the most talented and it just so happened that the most talented was this african-american actor and and this white actor and it so couldn't be fit into the conversations that we should be having now, and so that's really amazing. Um, so I like how, without giving away on, on how it ends, and it sort of, to me, ended like with a cliffhanger, and I don't want to give it away, but you explore things. The couple does have decisions about um, whether or not, well, one of them is more bottom, and, and it's without explicitly saying, the other one is more bottom verse. And mm-hmm. was that a conversation that you had had with your friends to kind of explore that through your story? Or how did that come about? And did you have to have conversations with your cast members about before you even filmed? Yeah, totally. I mean, well, I will say it was very, one of the things in the 
proudest of with the series is that um, on set, everyone was uh, either gay, a woman, or a person of color, and I felt very strongly about trying to make it as diverse of a um, onset experience as possible. Um, and I was very, from the get-go, my actors would make fun of me because I, in the audition process and in the um, rehearsal process and then on the days that we were shooting, I kept ad nauseum telling them, like, ahead of time when we were shooting the sex scenes and when there was nudity involved and asking them if they're comfortable, and then they were basically like, yes, Dad, we know. They were very, um, very aware and comfortable at that time. And then, sorry, what was the... What was the question again? Because there was another. There was so, and then the whole conversation about uh, um, bottoms and tops and and realizing. Oh, and how? Yeah, yeah. The compatible. I guess the, you know. I'm asking about. Did you have a lot of conversations with them about compatibility and how that can play into whether or not a relationship works or doesn't work? It definitely, yeah, with the actors, and I would say more so when I was writing it. When I was talking to the actors about it, it was like trying to they like trying to get in the headspace of that, but they um, kind of inherently knew that just as people who are a part of the community. Right. Um, so I didn't feel like I had to go into like too much detail. I think they all like either had experience or knew someone who had that, and then it was a conscious decision in the sense that I was very curious of exploring. I think there are a million trillion great things about being gay, and I'm so I feel very lucky to be. Um, a gay man, but I think that there are some cons involved, which is sometimes it can be, um, it's not as simple as maybe a heterosexual couple where it's like one person's a penetrator, the other person's a penetrator. I think that's something that can be inherent to a gay relationship where, you know, two people could fall in love and they both, you know, are the tops or they both are the bottoms. And it's something that I felt like is such a, basic thing that I was surprised I hadn't seen before and when I uh, was talking to friends I was like I want this story to be told I know some people who have this or it's like I don't think that like in it sex isn't everything in a relationship but it is also a lot very crucial <laughs> and important yeah, yeah and it, it, it's like it's something that you can't ignore yeah and I think that um, it really is something that's super super um important to talk about. So I kind of wanted to just like pose a question kind of to that. Well, one of the things I was talking before you got jumped on the call to my listeners was, you know, it's interesting with the apps, all like Grindr, Scruff, whatever app you're ever using, it's very obvious and makes it in some ways being gay can be very easy. And to talk just about sex in general with the apps, I've always stated I'm not I don't do the greatest on the apps. I'm a more in-person <laughs> meeting type guy. Uh -huh. But you get a lot out of the way um, with the apps. You can write if you're top, top first, totally. bottom. And all that conversation happens in a nanosecond. And you could be you know, in that person's apartment with a subway right away or getting on the 405 mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Um, this, your show seemed like to me, I already wrote the backstory, at least in my head as a viewer, that they meant, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't perhaps maybe meet on the apps where you would state bottom top. Maybe they met out and about. Would, would, did you have sort of a backstory on how they met on, that wasn't like in the apps or? That's, oh, I love this question. <laughs> um, in my, I kind of, I mean, one of the things I did consciously in the, writing process and why I specifically wanted to write it for a web series was that like I kind of wanted to break traditional 
storytelling in the sense of like you don't really know necessarily too, too much about their jobs or their friends. You don't like see anyone else in the series and hopefully you don't really notice that because it's kind of like in a, I was like label it myself as like a bedroom series where it's kind of what happens behind the closed doors, not like when they're with any other people, like it's just the two of them. And so I didn't go into too much backstory of that, but in my head, I always imagined them being like set up on a blind date. Oh, there you, oh, right, yeah. And you know what? There's mm -hmm. a, a scene at the end that sort of, now I'm just having a flashback, that looks like... Yeah. Yeah, so I get what you're talking about. I don't want to give anything away, but... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I kind of got that, too. And kudos, again, once again, to your actors, because it is only these two characters, and... Granted, it's a shorter series, but it was riveting. I wanted to immediately play the next episode. And the intimate bedroom talk, pillow talk, if you will, conversations that you wrote for these actors, you know, you didn't need their gay, the, you know, someone's roommate walking in. You didn't need all that. Now, obviously, if it went on, I could see you having other characters or if it was a TV mm -hmm. show, but... I really enjoyed it just with them. Um, the other thing I, I liked that you explored, at least in the writing, was the idea of open relationships. So what if, posing the question, what if it doesn't, you do meet somebody, you start liking them, you perhaps fall in love with them, do you then, the conversation could go to open relationships. And I was talking it, on my podcast on Tuesday about two friends of mine that have, they've been together forever, they're married, and they're both two tops, interestingly enough. And I think they've made it work because they're so in love, and I don't know the details of their sex life totally, but I do know that they play around when they want to with a third, and when they do, they look for a bottom. So um, did that, how did that conversation come about in the writing, or how did you explore that? Was that I mean, yeah, I don't know if this is a universal um, gay thing today or if it's an L.A. thing. And um, being here is that I do think it's, like, fairly common that um, I just feel like more and more people, almost like everyone I know now, is, like, in some sort of open relationship. Or even if they're, like, closed, they've opened it up for a time. And something that I felt like as the years went on of me being here in L.A., like it became at first it was maybe more of like a one-off thing to so to now it's like it's almost like more rare to find someone who wants to be monogamous right and so i like for their whole life or something and so then um that was just something that i felt was like the natural progression of these two people who love each other so much and are having some difficulties but don't want to necessarily break up as a result of it, they're going to try to figure out a different compromise or solution before figuring out, like, before anything else drastic were to happen. Um, and I just, um, yeah, so I think it just came from that and from the current, like, yeah. dating scene, yeah. Absolutely, that seems to everybody, you know, if we were talking about this maybe even 10 years ago, certainly 20, that conversation of open relationships um, probably would have been like, ooh, what, what are you talking about? And now it's, it's kind of part of our landscape of communication and not e even, you know, so many of my straight friends, you know, are open to it, Yeah, particularly millennials. It feels like also like on like first dates, 
yeah. I've had experiences myself in the past and also with as friends where it's like pretty common, like literally from the get go, people say like, I don't want to be monogamous or I'm interested in that. Like where I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know, but it feels like 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, maybe that wasn't something that was so common that would be like stated on like the very first date. Correct. And yeah, I, I would agree on that. Um, well, okay. It did, does beg the question. And I was reading some of the comments after re watching it on YouTube and I'll put, I put the link on tagspodcast.com and where you can watch this show. But, uh, will there, can you tell us anything? Cause it's sort of ambiguous on it, it, like, do you want to know more? I want to see, does, is there going to be a season two? What can you tell us? I, it's so funny because I've been getting that question a lot and I will say that I always envisioned it purposely as just a one-off thing. Um, and then I guess the way it ended, a lot of people have been asking me that and I'll say, as of right now, it feels like I told the complete story that I wanted to tell. Um, but I'll say never say never. Like, who knows? Look at that um, HBO as, show yeah. with little pretty secrets or I forget with Reese Witherspoon and uh, yes, all Big of them. Lies. What yeah. was it called? Big Little Lies. Yes. Big Little Lies. Yeah. Look at that. Um, I forget the writer. I mean, you know, huge writer. You'd probably know. Totally. Him. Yeah. Um, really only planned on it being a one off. And look what happened with that. So I don't know. I, I could, so there's no, yeah. I will say there's nothing in the in the pipeline as of right now. But I but I'll say um, I feel pretty good about how I like wanted that, that I all I always saw the last scene before I saw like the last couple scenes I like that was in my head first actually and so um, I kind of uh, really like how that those last scenes played out but we'll see you know well, um, well done no, I was there. bawling it crying at the end of it so in a good way and I also oh was God, yeah so, so um, yeah before we tell people where they can see it um, you're working on a show, an animated show for Netflix called Q Force. Is that? Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, I can tell you that I'm working on it, but then it's one of those things where um, it's it's like I feel weird in the sense of like I feel like it's my boss's, Got and it. Netflix's like decision to like talk about it and all that stuff because it really hasn't been. It's been announced that it's coming, but nothing else, and I don't want to get my boss upset um and i feel like he's really cool and funny and awesome and he'll eventually at a certain point like publicly talk about it and then i'll, I'll follow suit but are you writing all on i can it? say is that i can say that i wrote on it and that it's coming sometime next year um well and i can say and i read it's an i read that it's and we can just i can say this but you can t you yes, don't have to yes. say that oh, it's I mean, an it animated superhero yeah, yeah tell us the premise really quick so the premise is um it's called Q-Force, and it's basically like a, a team of super spies, um, basically like if James Bond was gay and like his gay teammates, um, and it's like a fun spy ser animated series, um, and Sean Hayes is uh, the lead of it and also producing it. Well, I cannot wait, and maybe you can come back when it's out and tell us more when you're allowed to. Um, but people <laughs> can follow your Instagram for the first, your series, and it's at the first series. I think I have it in your, yes. your name right there. Mm -hmm. And if they go there, there's a link to the web series as well. Um, otherwise, people can go to the website, correct? Um, yes, yeah, so you, you can find it on Instagram at the first 
series, Twitter at the first underscore series or Facebook, the first web series. And then um, the link is in the Instagram bio. There's also the first uh, web series.com. And then if you just go to YouTube, unfortunately the first is, has is the name of another web series and the name of tons of things. I know how that so goes. If you yeah. Type in, yeah. If you type in the first and then my name, which is Tim Zintek, it will come up easily. Um, and, but I would say your best bet is through the, um, go to Instagram, you know, at the first series and the link is right there in the bio. Tim Zintik, I want to thank you for writing and directing a really awesome web series, The First. Um, I love it, and I, I see Well, thank yeah. you so much. You made my day with all of your sweet comments the other um, episode, and uh, thanks for talking about it, and uh, it's really uh, very, very sweet of you. Well, stay in contact with the show, and um, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much. Of course. Okay, talk right. to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, I hope you've been hanging out here with me. This is this has been a lot of fun. And last but certainly not least, and it's definitely a revisit, including his sexy voice, is my interview with porn star D'Angelo Jackson, extracted from episode 182 of Tag's podcast. Could not have been nicer. He's out in Atlanta talking about being one of the actor models that participated in a really good documentary called Porn Star Pandemic. You guys should really check that out. Perfect for this time uh, to get inside some of these guys' head and what their life is really like when they're not in front of the camera. Here, extracted from 182, is my conversation with D'Angelo Jackson. At D'Angelo Jackson on the phone, porn star extraordinaire. He's in a brand new film called Porn Star Pandemic. It's a documentary that comes out this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday on VOD. Um, first of all, D'Angelo, how you doing? You're in Atlanta? Yes, I'm in Atlanta. I'm doing, um, I'm doing as well as can be during this whole crazy time. Um, so yes. yeah, I'm out here in Atlanta just you know, holding it down, so to speak. It's interesting because I've been watching, I'm a news junkie certifiable, and as we all are, I assume, in Atlanta, your, your guys' COVID numbers have not been the greatest, and so I'm just wondering, um, what's life like, you know, what can you tell us about Atlanta right now? You know, it's pretty much, it's, um, everything is pretty much open. The bar is open. Um, You're there's kidding. There's really no limit. No, the restaurants, I mean, for the most part, most of the restaurants are open with some limitations. You know, um, if you are there, you, you know, they want you to sit outside and stuff like that. It just varies depending on the uh, the business. But for the most part, Atlanta is um is open. It's not as busy, obviously, as, as it normally would be. But, um, yeah, we're pretty much open down here, which is why the numbers are skyrocketing right now. So it's just really just being accountable for, for yourself and just, you know, staying hunkered down as much as you can. Exactly. Um, so in this film, you shoot, um, it's called Porn Star Pandemic, and you shot it, I understand you shot it in the spring, and the producers asked you to kind of, each of you, shoot sort of like a day in the life, if you will. So, for example, you, we saw a video of you working out. Uh, you took us kind of on a tour. Um, I want to commend you, because between you and there's another character, uh, 
porn star in the film, Dante Cole, I really liked your guys' footage. It felt like I was watching kind of like a, a reality TV show. You got great footage. Um, can you just first tell me where in Atlanta do you live? Because it looked gorgeous. It looked very, I love nature. I mean, I live in New York City, but I love nature. Where do you live in Atlanta? I mean, you don't have to tell us the address, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm actually out um, in Stone Mountain, which is maybe like 25 to 30 minutes from downtown Atlanta. So I'm really out here um, in the forest, so to speak. Um, so you can hike up the mountain and <clears throat> it's great exercise and it's a great way to also social distance while getting in, you know, um, just, you know, taking in nature and having like a great workout if you want to. Well, so, yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, one of the things you mentioned in the film is normally you would be traveling around for gigs or, or you know, for shooting scenes across around the country. Well, obviously everybody was hunkered down where they live. Did you get to kind of, because you kind of allude to it in the film, did you get to kind of explore where you live um, in a new way? Absolutely. It's so funny you would ask a great question. Cause because of the pandemic, I've actually been forced. I've never been someone who really enjoys nature. <laughs> so <laughs> right, I've right. kind of been forced to really get out there, just really just walk around the neighborhood, you know, and, and I'm like, man, this is this is like really, really, really beautiful. And just to really um, just just to be in a moment. And I was like, I've lived out here in Stone Mountain actually for like two years now. And I've never hiked up the mountain which is embarrassing me even saying, but it was because of the pandemic that I just, I took the, you know, the opportunity to really um, do it. And I just, man, this is gorgeous. And it's something that I do often now. Well, it does look extremely gorgeous. And uh, we were talking offline and you haven't even seen the movie, but it's, it's yet, even though you're in it and you'll see the footage that you shot. But one of the things that cracked me up is you said, which I think we can all relate to, is you say every day, has felt like Groundhog Day. Uh, I mean, I know, I know what that means, but what did that mean for you and, and your lifestyle? Well, you know, coming from, like I had mentioned, was just coming from just bouncing around and traveling and just being on the go, 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 working, being booked and busy just to everything, just to come to a complete halt, you know, just stop. It's like, wow, this is just, for me, just, you know, having to wake up and essentially every day just felt like the same day over and over again. <clears throat> and that can become exhausting, so you just have to just, you know, think outside the box and just, you know, try to, you know, make every day a little different, you know, just to keep your sanity. <laughs> For me, I, I planned on going on a vacation after um, my trip to Las Vegas, which was March 12th. This is right before everything shut down, so... I was going on vacation, and you know, for a couple of weeks, and I was going to be ready to come back. And now it's like I just, I've been on vacation since March, essentially. It's like a forced vacation, so but, it's taking you know um, some adjustment. <clears throat> but one of the things I really like about the film is that you're really not on vacation because you've kept. I mean, you state in the film that fortunately you've you shot scenes months maybe in 2019 and the, and yeah. you've had material coming out all year long thank goodness because you're sort of at the top of your career right now which is awesome but um it's not like you were really on vacation because so much of your work from what you've stated is about social media and did you find yourself working more with like the pay the content driven sites like only fans yeah absolutely absolutely and that's also been you know um an adjustment because when I'm home here in Atlanta, I, I'm normally 
I'm, you know, I'm kind of like homebound. I'm kind of like a homebody. So really, I'm just here just to regroup and to recharge. So I'm not really shooting too much of behind the scenes or, you know, um, OnlyFans content, if I'm being honest, because okay. I'm, I'm trying to essentially, you know, retard myself from <clears throat> my trip. Where I've been filming or whatever the case may be. So, but with this pandemic, you know, um, that's another source of, you know, income that's coming in. So it's like one of those things now, my OnlyFans have, have become essentially like a a job to try to, you know, shoot stuff. Because for me, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not that person just, you know, shoot random content. <clears throat> unless I really have to. So that's definitely been um, an adjustment that I'm still trying to, to get adjusted to because I want my fans to see um, what I am doing outside of um, filming or, or gigs. So did you find that the film gave us even a bigger look at what your life really is like in Atlanta, kind of a behind-the-scenes look? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I'm one person who is private, but I thought... I found it very fun and, and you know um, entertaining, <laughs> just just to give some of my fans um, just a small taste of a week or just a day in a day of of what I like to do, um, and, and the changes that I've had to make with this whole pandemic. So um, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think social media is so much a part of your career now. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming if we had, if we talked to porn stars of the '80s and '90s when we didn't have social media there was probably like, oh, no, I don't want people to really know the real, you know, the other person. I mean, so many porn stars don't go by their real name, so there's sort of this wall, this fantasy that you don't want to break. But with yeah. today, it's like it's a part of it, right? You need to kind of... Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you you know, you have to you have to um, save some for yourself. <laughs> you have to, you know, there you, you have go. to draw, you have to find that, yeah, you have to find that line. Or, you know, you may lose yourself of who you really are, essentially. So you really have to um, tread the line very, very delicately um, as far as how much you want to allow the, um, you know, the public in your private life. Because you have nothing left over for yourself at the end of the day if you do allow that to happen. So I'm learning um, that lesson yeah. even in my podcasting <clears throat> here, too. Yeah, we have to share a lot. Um, one of the things I asked Dante Cole that I want to ask you, too, is, you know, during, I'm not sure if you've gone back to shooting with partners or not, but at least for a period, I'm assuming you weren't shooting any scenes with any partners. And did you find yourself missing that? Do you like the the actual I, working with, with fans? I do. It's funny you ask because I've I found myself really yearning for that, you know, um, collaboration. You know, being on set with my with the crew and us, you know, being like a little family. <clears throat> I just I do miss that. I miss that energy of bouncing off and working off, you know, with other people. And I fear that with this, you know, until we have a vaccine, things aren't going to be the same as what they were. There's so many precautions we have to take now, you know, can't even hug our friends we haven't seen in forever, you know, it's just, it's so strange. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how the, the industry changes now, you know, um, post-COVID. So, so you it's one of those things like, wow. Yeah. You haven't gone back to um, filming with any partners yet. Is that what you're saying? Not yet, no. Got it, got it. Um, yeah, you talk a little bit about in the film, so the film's divided for people watching, uh, like I said, the sort of day in the life of D'Angelo Jackson, and then it goes into a Q&A that you have with um, a, a couple of the guys 
which is also very enlightening. And you mentioned in there that you really miss your fans. And I am assuming, can you explain what, what some of the th type of events that you would have been going to? Because you also mentioned that you're somewhat of an introvert. So uh, can you explain that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> it's like, um, I'm a Gemini, so I have, you know. My, oh, here we my, go. You know. <laughs> I love it, I love it. You know, uh, you know D'Angelo Jackson, is, he's an alter ego. <clears throat> but also, you know, I, I am who I am, and I, I am, you know, I can be very introverted and just want to just have my long time and to regroup. But after that, I want to get out there. I want to, you know, um, rub the elbows with my, my peers and with my fans. You know, if I'm out there, you know, go-go dancing or whatever the case may be. I just miss that energy so much. Um, you know, I only wanted a couple of weeks off. And now, you know, it's been four months now. So I'm really, really chopping at a bit to get back out there to uh, get this train moving again. Because I do, I do miss that energy. And we the, need people, and you know, so being so you know socially distanced from everyone, it's not healthy. What were some of the events that you had to cancel that would have been where you would have met fans? I was going to be in um, Seattle, Washington, for their Pride event. I was looking forward to that. Um, before that, I was going to be back in Las Vegas, <clears throat> end of March, for um, another event I was going to be hosting. So I was looking forward to closing out those two events and then having a bit of a, um, of a vacation before I, I traveled to Montreal to um, film another feature. So, hey, now, it's just like, okay, <laughs> everything right. just comes to the writing call. You're like, darn. So it's everything just been postponed. I'm hoping, you know, we get back, you know, to some, some sense of normalcy the beginning of next year. Well, you, I mentioned this before, you shot this around springtime uh, of this year, um, and I know every day feels like Groundhog Day, but there's a point in your Q&A uh, in the film that people can watch where one of the guys is asking you about, speaking of Vegas, I assume you won, you, you won Best Performer um, at some award show, and he... He talks to you if you wanted to, if you wanted to comment on it about being black. I'm assuming is what he was saying, and how that's sort of an anomaly in your industry. I couldn't help but think, and that since everything that's happened since George Floyd, and you know, have you experienced racial bias at all, like in the porn industry or seen it at least? Um, well, I've been in the games. I've been in the industry for over ten years now, so you can imagine. Yeah, right. Um, I'm pretty sure you know the answer. I'm just curious to know what your <laughs> personal experience. Yeah, if you if you care to share anything, yeah. I've honestly, I've been blessed in the sense that I've never overtly got any sort of like racial vibes with anyone that I work with, with any company that I work with. Now, I've been, you know. Um, Stereotype, stereotype, you know, casting, you know, roles that I think if I wasn't black, then I wouldn't been cast in that role, you know. Right. Um, and <laughs> it was one of those things like, you know what? We've we've come, we've 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 moved a little bit for as far as race and in the industry, and with you know, with the uh, resurgence of Black Lives Matter, the things have it just is it's like an earthquake within the industry. You know, um, a lot of eyes are being opened up um, and, you know, companies are taking a step back to figure out 
how do we best represent African American males in the gay industries? When I won when I won Best Actor, and I was first black man to win Best Actor in that category to gave again, I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> just, I couldn't believe it. You know, like wow, this is this is um, but it's like wow, they they've the Gavians have been I think for twenty years now. Wow. And so for me to finally be the you know the first one that that's cracked that door open, I think that's phenomenal. And it's it's so much, yeah. so much bigger than me. Thank you. It's so much, and I was like I said, my, I'm just so much more. It's not about me. This is about us. It's about this is what this re- represents. For a lot of gay black men, we aren't a stereotype, you know. We are more than a fetish or a stereotype, you know. The other thing, I, th- the other thing I think is it makes those that do have any sort of racial bias accountable for their actions. And it's holding, you know, if nothing else, it's holding people accountable for any racial bias they may have. And that's, and, and, and developing the conversation. So I, I like that. Um, Absolutely. You know, one of the things um, that I love about the film is, in, at least in your segment, is you say, quote, I, I, I love and enjoy what I do. I'm passionate about it. And um, I think that what this film, this documentary, Porn Star Pandemic, at least for me, what it did was, it, for all of us that consume porn, I definitely do, it showed that, you know, your work is... It, it, the day in the life that we all saw in the film showed that you guys are on a schedule, or at least schedules that you create, and it's not like, it, there's a lot of work that goes into it, and a lot of social media, and it's, you have to be really, what would you say for somebody, what, do you, what would you say to somebody that getting into it is the best part of it, and what's the worst part of it? Well, <laughs> I can only speak for myself, but the best part of it for me, and still is, um, even after, you know, 10 plus years, is the travel. It's the travel and, you know, uh, meeting different fans and going, just just really the people in the travel have been, and, and my, my co-stars have been, you know, something that I've really enjoyed throughout the years. The worst um, for me, because I, I do have my moments where I am, can be very introverted. If it's when I if I want to go out somewhere, and I just can't be left alone sometimes. <laughs> just I just want to just go somewhere like I want to go to like a bar somewhere and just be by myself and have me a couple of you know cocktails or whatever. Right, right. And not you know, hit on anything like that, um, or I, you know take a picture thing like that. This is that's the only thing is sometimes I do have my moments where I just want to just be by myself and not bother. And I I don't sometimes I don't really have that option because I have to be out there. I have to be promoting. I have to be, you know, posting and just constantly be on, you know, on 10. But besides that, I mean, I, I love this industry. I love, and it's ever-changing. It's, it's, it's always morphing and changing and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it always keeps me very um, interested and, um, you know, intact with it. <clears throat> well, on a fun note, um, there's a, I know you said offline you haven't seen the film yet, but you do this part where you take a shower, and I took a, a tip from you where you said when you take a shower, you don't put the, hot, the water too hot, and then you don't, you dry, you pat down your skin and put, uh, so that the oil that you put on can absorb in, and I did that today, so my skin, thank you very much, D'Angelo, is feeling very soft, and <laughs> I thank you for that tip. Um, D'Angelo, yes. 
<laughs> D'Angela Jackson, I want to thank you so much for doing uh, Sex with Stevie with me today. The film comes out this Tuesday on VOD. We'll continue to promote it. And people can follow you on Twitter and Instagram, correct? Yes, correct. My, uh, my Instagram is the one D'Angelo Jackson. And my Twitter is D'Angelo JXXX. D'Angelo Jackson, thank you so much. And um, I wish you more and more success. And I'm going to keep following you. Keep up with us, too. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you've had some fun hanging out with me here, listening to some of these interviews of 2020, kind of the best of part two. I had so much fun doing them. You can expect a lot more coming up in 2021. Next week, we are back with a brand new episode of Tag's podcast in 2021 with co-hosts. All of them will be on hand, including Lincoln, Jeremy Ross Lopez, and Cody Maurice Doggett will be there to kick off the first episode of 2021 we look follow us on all platforms on social media it's at tags podcast in the meantime wishing you a very happy new year celebration do it safely wear your mask and keep it sexy happy new year and we'll talk to you in 2021